We are the Love Jays, and you're listening to Married Millennials. A conversation about being young, in love, and navigating life one student loan payment at a time. I'm Joy. I'm Justin. Let's get to it. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to episode 70 of Married Millennials. We hope all of you had a really good weekend. As some of you may be able to tell, my voice, ah, just a little bit raspy. Which I kind of like. <laughs> yeah, joy. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. I came home on Saturday, and Joy was like, I think I like this. Yeah. Just, and look how she's looking at me now. <laughs> Even as I talk, she has this grin. It's a shame I have to lose my voice for her to like my voice. Yeah, as I said, you don't need to have this much power over me. Yeah, so I, t- I was like, I need to go to the, I need to go to a voice doctor then and get my voice permanently uh-uh. changed in a little bit of rasp. No, this is it. Too much. I got. Yeah. I, it can only come in, in spurts. Yeah, I only went in a couple of days and then and then it has to go. Okay, that, yeah. that, that's fair. But yeah, I had a an event this weekend. I work in, in the basketball industry. And we had a 550-plus kid camp at a major big facility. It's just a lot of kids. If you can imagine what 550 basketball players under one roof look like with about 500 to 1,000 parents, half of which are unrealistic and crazy. Yeah. You know, it, it turns into an eventful weekend. But nevertheless, it's always good when you can go and execute a fun event. But because of that, I had to yell a lot because I'm dealing with kids. But anyway, it mean, it worked out well. It was a very good event, but now I just need a day or two to get my voice back. Yeah, and now you're on uncle duty. And yes, now I am on uncle duty. I went after the event and picked up my nephew. So he'll be staying with, with us for a couple of days, just hanging out before he goes to school. Kids start school so soon. Yeah. He goes back to school this week. I started school. Well, I just started the, I what, start the like first mid-August. or second week of August. Like, yeah, but, yeah, that's mid-August, like it's, the second week. It's August 7th. Yeah, that's a, that's a You start this week? Yeah. I didn't start school before August 20-something. It was always in the 20s. Mine was like always now, in the teens. Yeah, now they're moving into 10s and yeah. even earlier at 9, 8, 7s. I'm like, man, who go? Like, what is this? I always this? got exactly two months of vacation, June to August. And it was always the same week. Yeah, we went August to May, and then we were yeah, out nice. from mid-May. I'd say that. May 20-something, we got out, and then yeah. we had all of May, all of the, that rest of May, all of June, all of July, and then we went back in the August 20-somethings. So you had like a three-month vacation. I feel like kids nowadays get like an eight-week summer. Right. But I think they get all these random weeks during the week. I don't know. Hmm. The school system's changed. But yeah, so we're going to... Yeah, they get something called fall break now. Like that... It's a like, week? It's like some week in October. Yeah. Yeah, see... I'd, I'd rather just have a long summer. Like push me through. Well, yeah, but it's because of budget cuts and all that. I digress. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I'm on Uncle Duties yeah. for the next couple of days. So me and my nephew will be hanging out, yeah. having a good time. And I feel like the enthusiasm in which my voice is leaving my mouth is a little off. And here's why, everyone. You all know that I got my wisdom teeth removed. Well, it turns out that I had a bone sticking out in the back of my jaw. We had actually an Instagram story. Justin came home one day and I was like, I need you to look in my mouth because I knew something was wrong. It was hurting so bad. And uh, he was upset. He sat down, ate his Chipotle, took his sweet time. <laughs> now I'm sitting on the bed like, something's wrong. I need someone to look in my mouth. Because I didn't know what it was. I felt it. It was sharp. I felt it with my finger. I'm like, something sharp back there. I thought it's like a shard of tooth that they forgot to grab. So anyway, but it was deep in there. Finally, Justin gets the right angle, and he looks, he goes, I don't know, I think that's a bone. 
I'm like, oh, crap. So I call the dentist in the morning, and I said, hey, just two minutes. I need you to look. Is it a is it tooth? Is it bone? Whatever. I'll go back to the oral surgeon, but could you guys just take a peek? So they look, and they're like, oh, everything looks great. You're healing really well, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yes, but I'm in a lot of pain. Can you look? You know, and I kind of point them in the general direction. They couldn't even see it with all the instruments. So the dentist had to take her finger and feel back there, and everybody kind of got really quiet. <laughs> you know how everything's fine. Everyone's cheery, and they get quiet. And then it's just that hush of silence, yes, and you know and something's she, wrong. Yeah, she, like, kind of whispers, or not whispers, but says, you know, in a low voice to the dental assistant, like, okay, I'm going to need an x-ray, blah, blah, blah. And they go, yeah, that's your jawbone. <laughs> so my jawbone was sticking out. They had to break it off in pieces because they couldn't get it off in one swing and then saw it down to level it out with my gum. And basically what happened was that my wisdom teeth, tooth was nestled against that bone. And when, you know, I had my, my teeth removed, my gums were supposed to grow over that bone and they didn't. They kind of were like, well, the tooth's not there anymore. We don't have to come down that far. And it's like, no gum, you messed up. <laughs> I'm in pain. So anyway, my jaw still isn't really, I'm not healed. I'm still. Uh, <laughs> two weeks. Yeah. This two, We're going two on weeks. two weeks yeah. and you are still not healed. Yeah, my mouth is toe up from the flow up. So, Joy's, but, but Joy's I, body is just on the slow. It's not it on the slow. I had, I had another issue. Yeah, your, I've had, your gums. I've had so your several, body's on the slow. My yeah. gums would have just gotten, got in line and said, okay, this is what needs to be done. Right. My body just, uh, I had several complications. So I had, I had the gum infection before I got the wisdom teeth removed. I got my wisdom teeth removed. Then I had dry sockets and then I had the bone sticking out. So really think about it. That I've had four like traumatizing mouth things happen. Really, with this has been a month now. I've been at one month of mouth stuff. So my mouth is probably just tired. Like, hey, we could have probably handled one thing, but there's been four things thrown our way in a very short amount of time. Well, get your mouth and your body in line. I'm really trying. <laughs> but I do want to add some context because you said Justin was mad when I came home to look inside your mouth. I was not mad. <laughs> I was irritated at the fact as soon as I walk home after being, walk in the house after being gone for almost 12 hours, the first thing my wife does is says, I need you to look in my mouth. No, hello, how are you? How was your day? Okay, Here's but that's a kiss. I was in pain. I understand that, but can I, I mean, can I get a high hello? I was hello? in pain and I was hungry. It was the worst because I was like, I need to eat something, but like, can I? I was, it was this bad. And she's in her mouth the whole time while I'm eating. I'm like, Joy, I said, I will look after I'm done. I was trying to like videotape it. going, kept going. going trying to videotape, turn on her phone flashlight, like, what are you doing? And then she wants to cuss me out saying that my speed of eating was too slow. No, it was not too slow. It was at a normal pace. But because she was being so insistent and defiant and not willing to listen, she wants to take her anger out on me. But that's fine. I was in pain, y'all. I was in pain. We do do things a little differently when we are in pain. But enough about us. This week we had the opportunity to sit down with Nate Howard, Spoken word artist, motivational speaker, and entrepreneur, and founder of Movement B. This young man is one of those people that you meet and you know they just have it. You know when you're out there and you meet certain people and they just have that aura about them and say, yeah, you're going to be successful. And I actually met Nate when he was an intern at my first job. And mm-hmm. as, soon as, I, as soon as I met him and, and talked with him, you can just tell he had that very positive, vibrant energy about him and he was going to do big things. And sure enough, that's exactly what he's doing. His nonprofit movement B is really revolutionizing the way students learn in schools. And he's kind of taken 
taken San Diego by storm. You know, he's, he's a, a native of San Diego and has gotten to the school districts and, and bringing his style of teaching to help kids use creativity and, and, and poetry and art to, to learn and express themselves. And he's a very dynamic young man. Here's Nate Howard. Today we are joined by speaker, author, poet, entrepreneur, all around great dude, Nate Howard. Nate, thank you so much for joining us today. Man, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Man, we're glad to have you. You're fresh off your 26th birthday. Yeah. Happy belated birthday. I saw on the gram you were in Hawaii. Yeah, man. So how, how was your 26th birthday trip, man? Man, it was amazing. It was me, uh, my girlfriend, my parents. We just had a great time. We just had a great time. We did the parents too. That's a treat. Well, the parents, it was it was their treat. Oh. It, was, it was a gift, you know. Even so. better. I want my parents to take me somewhere in my twenties. We're we're going though. We yes. are going. So for the first in laws, yeah, for the first time in twenty years, my family is going on a family vacation, oh. and we have not done that since I believe I was eight years old. We went on a cruise yeah. to the Caribbean, and I remember my mom was like, "Every other year, we're going to go on a family vacation." And uh, yeah, I'm 28 now. You had the one. I was eight they years had old. One family so we're going to Costa Rica yeah. in 2019. Mom, no shade. Yeah. I, I know things changed. I love you, but. You went to and- Paris, though. <laughs> she took you to Paris. That she, happened. She did. Your See, I sound ungrateful. I can't even talk about this. <laughs> I know she's going to text me, but your old ungrateful ass. <laughs> right. I was like, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So, Nate, I mean, you, your, your story is, is phenomenal. You went to USC, you made headlines at USC for throwing a grad party. A graduation party, 79 LAPD officers came. It made front page news. And that's kind of when it sparked everything for you. Can you, for, for those who are unfamiliar with the situation, can you just tell us a little more about that grad party incident and how it has kind of changed your whole trajectory of everything that you do? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I was a student at USC. And I mean, even before the graduation party, I think there was you know, this identity issue of what it means to be uh, African-American at USC in South Los Angeles. And there was often times where here I am living in South Los Angeles and I would be walking to school and uh, DPS would ask me for my ID. And I was like, well, why do you need to see my ID? I'm <laughs> yeah. going to school. Right. Um, so those were those little issues of those, you know, racial, you know, profiling that I experienced on campus. And then towards the last day of classes, I was throwing this graduation party. It was organized. It was, you know, registered, security, everything was put together. Um, and there was another party going on across the street who, who were friends of mine as well, but mostly white party goers. And about around 2 o'clock in the morning, officers came uh, in response to a noise complaint uh, telling us to shut the party down. But what happened that night was they told the house across the street to, to stay safe while, while they handled us. Wow. You know, the students of color. And as I'm confused on what's going on, I mean, a lot of it is like a blur as I'm kind of thinking back. Because right. here's a great thing that nobody ever talks about. That party was turned up. Like, <laughs> right. I was like, I really, <laughs> bro, like, people don't understand. Because after that incident happened, like, I just remember, like, you got to understand, first-generation college student, I'm throwing this party, like, I'm graduating, all of my friends, like, this party was live. Like, right. I was having a good time. Um, and that obviously should, doesn't get should. talked about because of what happened. So, right. <laughs> like, part of that is, like, I, you know, was upset about that. But in any case, you know, what, you know, was known of that party is that 79 LAPD officers showed up to my house in riot gear. I was handcuffed and detained that night and literally sat in a squad car for hours while I'm seeing, like, my house go in uproar, you know? 
They made a barricade, you know, on my street where I lived, the 23rd and Hoover. They pushed uh, numerous people of my party down the street. And uh, from that, people from the party um, began to organize, and we all organized to, to push a protest to to stop what was going on at, at that time. Mm-hmm. We ended up on the front page of the LA Times. It was in the news. Um, and that really kind of reminded me that here I was a student at USC, young African-American. I got my B.A., but here's my poetry here. I was still B.A. target, right? It's like no matter what, you know, hey, I went to USC thinking like, yeah, I got out of my, my neighborhood, Southeast San Diego. I'm a better myself. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be this young, educated black man. You're going to look at me, and I got a degree. And mm-hmm. I think that was that, you know, that wake-up call. It's like, hey, brother, you got a degree, but you're still black. Right. You know, nobody's looking and says USC across your, you know, your chest to, to treat you differently. For sure. Um, so that kind of gave me the wake up call to say, tell your story before they do. And don't prove to anybody who you are. Prove to yourself who you are and, and own your own story. And that's how you just move, move forward. And, and I know the, the gift of poetry and being the leader is something that is ingrained in you. I remember when I first met you, you were actually an intern. Mm-hmm. And funny stories, you meet certain people and you know they just have it. And I was sitting there and I was like, here I am just miserable. At, at, I'm, not, I'm not saying I was miserable, but you know, here I was transitioning out from I said college. he looked like J. Cole too. Yeah, so. He did say that. That was <laughs> the first thing that came out of my mouth, out of his mouth. I'm not mad at that. And I'm just sitting there, I was like, man, this dude, Nate, has it. He was just very vibrant, young, and you were a very active leader outspoken poetry has been in your life and and now you know you're using poetry as an as an avenue you know for your business but before we even get there when did you start developing your love for poetry oh man poetry started for me in i want to say second grade i remember i wrote my first poem it was in the church i was like god loves me every day god loves me in any kind of way and that was like my first poem yeah. like Bars. literally i remember <laughs> god loves me when i'm weak Turns tells me to turn the other cheek. Like it was in ah, second grade. Like I was pretty good. Yeah, and I was, but I didn't think nothing of it. But it was in about fifth grade. I got introduced to to Langston Hughes. You know, this was our poetry unit. Mm-hmm. You know, in school, and I got introduced to Langston Hughes and Maya Angelou, and I was started as a as a poet in fifth grade, and then in middle school because it's like, you know, you weren't cool if you were writing poems. You know. I tried to, like, stay away from it and try to get into other things. But then I got right back into it in high school because it was, like, my uh, my escape, you know, mm-hmm. when I was dealing with, you know, identity. I was lost. Mm-hmm. You know, especially in high school, it's like, if you weren't, like, the popular jock, you know, and I, I had quit basketball. I was trying to do other things. So I just, you know, people were calling me whitewash. Yeah. You know, the high school I term of, like, you know, you're trying to be smart. You're a square. Yep. You know, so I just wrote. I just wrote about my life, what I was dealing with, and, you know, just the passion for it and performance of it kind of built, you know, for me to continue to share my po- my poetry and my story in that way. Dope. And, and, and you just mentioned before, you know, the tell your story before they do. You know, the, that USC incident, I'm sure, amongst other things, your heart, it led you to launch your nonprofit called mm-hmm. Movement B, stands for Brave Entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And I know just from watching from the outside and seeing your videos and you working you know, with young people to, to use writing as a way to, to tell their story, how did you develop that slogan? It happened actually by accident. Uh, I was giving a TED Talk 
at San Diego State, and I was casually. You were just casually. Yeah, congratulations <laughs> I was casually, on that, by the way. Casually giving a TED Can talk. Can we just say again that Nate is twenty six years old? I mean, come on. I was casually leave giving something a TED talk. for the rest of us, Nate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a blessing. I think from tell your story before they do came from me talking about this incident at USC and really kind of digging deep into like what really is my story, and that got me thinking of like you know, in our education system, just even being as a young African-American male, like where our story starts, you know? And all right, you learn about slavery, you learn about the civil rights movement. And I'm thinking like, where does my story begin? Like, why has my story continued to be told by who? Mm -hmm. You know, is it by my oppressor, right? Like, um, and so it's that idea when I was sharing the story of what happened to me at USC, here I was stereotyped, criminalized, and now I have to prove to you that I'm not what you think I am. Mm-hmm. So it created like this, this new kind of message to say, all right, tell your story before they do. Meaning, all right, who is they, right? And it's kind of evolved as I've kind of built the program because they is for sure anybody who makes you feel inferior, makes you feel less than, someone who's trying to control you, put you in a box. But they could also mean yourself in this you versus mm-hmm. you battle of why are you allowing this enemy or this oppressor to live in your head, right? And so just truly live your own story and don't let anybody tell it for you, even if that's your own self, the enemy within you, right? So that's where we're building. When did you first launch the program? Was it with a specific school or were you just said, I'm going to just go and kind of figure this out myself? Yeah, I mean, Movement B as a concept, you know, was around while I was still a student at USC. And so I, I created Brave Entrepreneur actually in 2011. Oh, wow. um, but it wasn't formalized with anything as what Movement B is known as mm-hmm. today. Actually, while I was doing entertainment at USC, I had started Movement B at the BET Awards in 2011. I had interviewed a lot of different people there. And then I actually had started a series where, I, you know, my best friend is O'Shea Jackson Jr. I was able to interview Ice Cube. And that was my first series of interviewing brave entrepreneurs. So that's really actually where the name really stemmed from because I interviewed Ice Cube and I interviewed him as what does it mean to be a brave entrepreneur? And so I had a whole idea of creating a show called Be The Music, where I would interview artists and try to see the entrepreneur in them as a music artist. And that's ultimately what I thought I was going to do after graduation. Gotcha. I actually shot a pilot for my own show. Like, that's, oh. that's actually how, this, that's how I met Dang. Ty Dolla Sign. Gotcha. So this is all how all the pieces are connected. Okay. Right? So I'm remembering myself. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a walk down memory lane. You know, I like it. Um, so... You know, before, while I was a senior at USC, and even backing up, like, all my time at USC, I was doing music. And so I thought I was going to do more, you know, fully in the music industry. I was in a band called The Beat Advocate. We were performing all over USC and just different colleges. Um, And then that kind of stopped working out. And then I started interviewing different music artists. Um, And as I was interviewing different music artists, I just kind of got connected in the music industry. And at that point, a publicist said, hey, I got this artist named Ty Dolla Sign. Can you please? She was almost begging me. (laughs) Can you please interview him? I'm like, I don't know who he is, but I'll check his music out and see what we could do. (laughs) (laughs) Fast forward seven years later. This is is a true story. This is 2011, you know, 2011, (laughs) 2012. 
And so, yeah, I, I brought him to USC. And at this time, I was working for MTVU and I was shooting like different like political episodes for them at USC. Okay. And at that point, I had pitched them this idea that I wanted to interview music artists. And we actually shot a pilot for the Nate Howard show where my first guest was Ty Dolla Sign. So the whole thing was packaged, but it never released due to just a lot of things, specifically the USC incident. Mm. You know, so I thought after graduation I was going to stay in LA, that I'd be working for MTVU, that yeah. I would be doing entertainment, Damn. interviewing artists. But in any case, you know, me and Ty Dolla Sign stayed connected, mm -hmm. you know, and he asked me to do intros, you know, for his projects and stuff. But overall, um, I came back to San Diego because I had to, you know, um, and then just did what I had to do, you know, and it, it all really kind of happened as an accident that Movement B evolved into education because I thought Movement B would just be in L.A., I would be interviewing music artists, I'd be in the entertainment industry and building there. You had higher purpose than that. So mm -hmm. that, that one incident redirected you into what you're doing now. Yes. Which is, what you're doing now is your motivational speaking, mm -hmm. which we're going to get a little bit of later, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> we were speaking off air, and I think I'm, I'm going to get a lesson later. Is yeah, you're definitely, right? you're definitely going to get yeah. coached. If you, yeah. if you ever get a chance to meet Nate, you will realize that he's just going to read your life. Yeah. And then not settle for any excuses that you give him, and you just got to sit there and take it. Like, okay, thanks, Nate. Which you know, you know when, so somebody, when you know the did you know your bullshit in yourself? And you just say, I just don't want to hear it. And then somebody else comes and just takes all of that bullshit and smears it all across your face. Yeah. Nate Howard. In your eyes. That, you know, that is hey, this individual. And, but, you know, hey, that, but you need those people. Yeah. You need the people that can call you out. And we talk about it all the yeah. time and how important it is to have people who hold you accountable for things that you want to do, things that you dream about, mm -hmm. things that you love. Because, as you said, you know, they could be you. Mm -hmm. You're fighting that that they versus they battle, mm -hmm. and you know, saying I'm sitting here, you know, in my own way. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, continuing on 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 the topic of movement B, so it turned into an education piece. Mm -hmm. Where does it stand now? Do you do you have? I know there's an app associated yeah. with it, but do you did you develop curriculum? Like, yeah. what is how is movement B flowing? Is it just in San Diego? Yeah, yeah. it's it's next level, man. I'm excited. I'm so excited, and I think that's what's what it feels to be an entrepreneur to be very excited about your work knowing that you've just, you've worked so hard and now at this point is something that you can really see a big vision for. So right now, Movement B is focused on SEL, social emotional learning. And the goal is to take over every school in the country um, to provide social emotional learning curriculum. Um, right now, we're starting locally in San Diego. We're partnering with the San Diego Unified School District. Um, we have six schools that we're starting to work with in the fall. Uh, with the San Diego Unified Nursing and Wellness Department, and we're working with mental health. We're working with social emotional health to to show um, you know students that hey, it is okay to be vulnerable, to be open, to share your story, and that's where the app comes in. Mm -hmm. You know, students can download the app. Educators can use it in the classroom. We are providing activities in social emotional learning so students can understand their purpose, understand their emotions, um, and and it's building in a way where. You know, there's that quote by Rumi, you know, once you go on the way, the way appears, you know. And so we're just, we're moving and, and it's pushing. But I think the thing I'm most excited about is that integrating innovative technology in the classroom. Gotcha. The app started with this idea, again, that this is for everybody and now focused more on the school system in education mm -hmm. and realizing that 
you know, textbooks are going to be gone. Yep. You know, well, shit, everyone's getting iPads, <laughs> computers now. Right. <laughs> exactly. And so they're going to, you know, school systems are going to have to begin to adapt. And if they're adapting to laptops and iPads, why can't we create this curriculum to support that? And that's been the biggest thing is they always say social emotional learning, like these, you know, soft skills or these topics don't, there's, there's no room for them in the classroom. Um, but we're showing that it could be in the classroom it and it could be introduced be. Yeah, and it could be personalized learning yeah. because we have an app and platform mm-hmm. that students can do on their own mm-hmm. and can be connected back in their community at school. How was that received from the school district? Because I know in very little experience I have with school districts, but friends of mine who've worked with it, then it is like pulling teeth, oh, yeah. getting things approved through school districts. So here you come in with an innovative platform that's different than traditional textbooks. And then you're also saying, hey, we're going to, develop a curriculum and talk about things that no one is talking about. Yeah. So you kind of introduce two double whammies and yeah. walk in. What was the response of the school district? Yeah, it, it's so crazy, man. It's just like one of those things when you really want something, like you see like some of the things that hold you back, but I get you know always excited that I'm even in this position, like talking to people you know, who run the whole nursing and wellness department at the, the district. So even if I have an opportunity to, to just listen, you know, and kind of find out how to navigate or go through, like, I'm excited. And we've just found, like, other ways to get around it, you know. Right now, the school districts don't have funding. They always say they have budget cuts and they have all these different things. So I'm learning incentives to say, all right, well, if you can't, you know, if you guys don't have money for programs, how can we find funding to give programs mm-hmm. and be innovative and creative in that sure. sense? Yeah, so, you're not taking no for an answer. Yeah, and so <laughs> yeah. We're, we're coming yeah, in yeah. in every single way, yeah. uh, and it's just been a learning process. For sure. How are the children responding to the curriculum? Oh, man, this is great. We were just um, reading, like we did an assembly at Morris High School, which is, you know, inner city of San Diego, and about 200, 300 students, they all wrote me cards, you know, saying thank you. Yeah, saying thank you for for me coming to present. And they all got detailed on what the presentation meant to them, you know. Um, This is a school that is often stereotyped as the ghetto and you guys aren't going to do nothing, it's going to be worth anything. And I went in there and I told them about the whole message, tell your story before they do. And the messages that they wrote, um, we know this works. We know this works, and that's what empowers me to say, let's keep doing this. Mm-hmm. Let's keep finding innovative ways to kind of reach these students. We're talking about students who are like, man, I've, I've been suicidal. Or I, I don't really care about school, but, you know, something like this to remind me of my purpose or who I am or crushing stereotypes is, is important. And you, you're reminded that they don't have a lot of that support on campus a lot of the times, and that's what we want to provide. You tell everyone to tell their story before they do. What is Nate Howard's story? That's a great question, man. I think Nate Howard's story is, is one of, man, of an individual who really sees that we can dream big, man. I just, you know, I'll be open and say, man, I get scared. My girlfriend will tell you this. I get scared every time I'm in a car, right? Um, when she's driving, when I'm driving. <laughs> um, we you did know. hear she had a lead foot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things. You know, I've had near-death experiences, man. And I think, you know, I'm being open to that, you know. Literally every time we're driving, I, I think something bad can happen. Like, I think there could be an accident, you know. So 
my story is that like I feel like it's that cliche. I feel like life is a second chance, right? I feel like this is all I have. So I just get excited every day about the possibility of living. She'll tell you, like, you know, waking up every day, like, I'm ready. Like, (laughs) 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, like, I'm up and I'm ready to conquer the day. And I'm just positive about it. Like, I I believe that we can do anything and everything. Like, I'm one of those kids, I call myself a kid, you know, because I'm never growing up, that believe we can do anything. So my story is... Look, we're going to change the education system. I think it's the most important thing to do. I think mm-hmm. when you talk about our civil rights leaders and this new generation of you know, change that's sustainable, it's going to have to be through the education system. And I think um, once we show that the stories of people of color, of people who have been misrepresented, could be voiced you know, on a bigger platform through the education system that a lot of things can change. And so I'm just trying to find innovative ways to do that, doing it through music, hopefully to do it more through other forms of entertainment. And I, what I always say is that whatever medium God gives me or whatever like platform I'm given, whether if that's doing an intro with Ty, doing Movement B with an app, doing speaking, workshops, wherever I'm giving the message, that's where I'm going to share it. I feel you. And you're, you're full-time, 100% an entrepreneur. Yes. Before you went on this journey... You were working, I'm assuming you had a typical nine to five corporate job and was probably balancing the two. I mean, we live in the side hustle yeah. generation. There's so many of our friends and peers who are going to work every day yeah. and doing something on the side. You're now living in your purpose every single day. Mm-hmm. What moment where it clicked in your mind that said, this is what I need to do? Yeah. How did you overcome that <laughs> obstacle of saying, I'm going to live and be 100% Nate Howard. I don't right. care what anyone else says. And to add on to that, what would your advice be to people who are going through that right now, who are in that stage where they have their side hustle, it's thriving, or maybe it's not thriving yet, but they know they need to commit their full attention to it. What, what would you say to them right now? Yeah, I mean, I, if I was in a job that really uh, supported me in what I was doing, I probably would still be in that job. You know, I, my personal reason for leaving was I was in an environment where they weren't supporting my vision gotcha. right and so again by accident i said i have to leave this you know because even when i left i didn't leave thinking like f this i'm about to be a full-time <laughs> entrepreneur yeah. right. like i actually left still trying to figure out all right how can i contract work i started doing social media for somebody you know and trying to charge her whatever i can so i can pay the rent but I wasn't fully sure. I think my biggest advice is don't be working in a place where somebody makes you feel less than. Mm-hmm. Don't be in an environment where you feel inferior. You can't feel your greatest self because, you know, even as an entrepreneur, I'm, I'm still working for somebody, yeah. you know. And, but I get to choose who I want to work for, mm-hmm. who I want to do a service for, yeah. who I want to provide a product for. You know, in a job environment where somebody doesn't value you and who you are, I had to leave that situation because what begins to happen is you start thinking like them. And you start thinking like that work environment and you start thinking less of yourself and you start losing more of yourself. So that's really the biggest thing, whether as an entrepreneur or working in a job, just as long as you're in the environment where somebody is, if you can if you feel like you can be your best self. And now I wake up every day thinking, you know, I'm me. I can do whatever I want to do because I'm, I'm owning my greatness and who sure. I am. 
And you mentioned waking up at four o'clock and five o'clock in the morning. And I know I read those books and we all do, I'm sure. Oh, the greatest ones that go to sleep late or go to sleep early and or go, well, yeah, go to sleep early, wake up early, seize the day and attack. I've tried waking up in the five o'clock hour. Now. My body does not respond. So I need to know what is yeah, the, secret the secret to getting uh, up at four o'clock in the damn morning. Because if I get up and it is pitch black outside, my body says shut down. <laughs> we once did a month. It was the month of February. I was like, babe, we're going to get up at 4.30 in the morning. We're going to attack our goals. I think we made it to like mid-February. And I was my goal was to get up and write. I would just stare at the computer because I had nothing. I, would just, I wanted just to go back glued, to bed. Like, how am I doing nothing. this? Yeah, we so were how, like, how do you uh, wake up at four or five o'clock yeah. in the morning? It's like, yeah, I'm ready for life. And what are you doing at and four what or five Go to bed. <laughs> All those questions. <laughs> Man, yeah, I guess, I mean, I guess it's if you're a morning or a night person. Oh, like, okay. I, I mean, I've always been a morning person. My parents, I mean, they used to have to get up at five, six. So that, I mean, I guess I could say to that, that's mm-hmm. part of the routine a little bit. I go to sleep early sometimes. I mean, I may knock out at 9, well, not 9 p.m., maybe 10 p.m. Oh, 10, that's, not, that's, yeah. still pretty, that's a good <laughs> maybe I, we're, we're joined in the studio by his girlfriend right now, yeah. Veronica. She's got that look like, yeah, you're lying. Yeah. I do, I do take some naps. Yeah. Oh, so you're a, you're <laughs> a power secret. napper. I, could, I mean, I can make, yeah. And, and, <laughs> but, I mean, other than that, though, I think the biggest thing, though, is I've, I've never had an alarm need to wake me up. You know, I think mm. the self-alarm thing that I don't know that's gotten, you know, the clock that's in my head is I really do get excited about new possibilities every day. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the morning and waking up, it's like, all right, what could we conquer today? Like, what could we build today? Um, and so... What does that routine look that's like? That's a wonderful thing to naturally have. That's yeah. great. I mean, the routine, I try to... To stick to a routine that works, like I mean, I guess if we're getting vulnerable and open on this on yeah. this this show, oh, definitely, Go for it. you know, um, sometimes I wake and bake, but that's me in my own little zone, yep. you know, it's and I'm your just meditation. Kinda, it is my meditation, and you know, I have my pen, and I'll just literally wake up, try not to disturb her, go get <laughs> you know, hit my pen, get some water, and just start literally pacing around the living room, like just thinking of ideas and what I want to do today and mm-hmm. emails and what what can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I find a space to really, yeah, to kind of get in a meditation space. You know, sometimes I get into like a full meditation. Sometimes I'll just sit there quietly and kind of get in my zone. But, you know, ultimately I'm just getting ready for the day. And it kind of, it varies, you know, differently. But I'm just always ready, you know, for, for whatever is going to happen. I'm genuinely a night out. Like I get my second. I I can get sleepy around like eight p.m., but then I get a second wind at nine, so I can be up to one, and it's not an issue. The problem is I do want, like watching the sunrise, so it's like oh, it would be ideal if I could get up at six, but it's mm-hmm. just I can't. I, I also happen to need eight hours of sleep, so it's, it doesn't. It doesn't yeah. really. Nothing seems to be working quite yet, but we have been getting up early and going. We have. We started going to the gym. Well, I have started. and started Mm -hmm. in February because I had had a long battle with the gym. I was like, I couldn't figure out how to fit this into my day. Mm -hmm. I I had no idea. You go to work every day, and then you come home, and then you go to the gym. There's 7 million people in the gym because everyone has that same horrible idea. Let's go to work and then go to the gym. (laughs) So now your your, your workout is only take 45 minutes to an hour. Now it takes an hour, 45 minutes to two hours because you have to wait 10 minutes for every bench or machine, whatever you you may need to do. Then you come home and you got to make dinner. So by the time you take off for the day and sit on your couch, it's 9.30. 
yeah. at that point it's to think to like, damn, I have to wake up tomorrow <laughs> yeah. and go to a job that I necessarily don't want to go to is stressful. Yeah. It's, it's very stressful. And, and so I've been going back and forth. I didn't work out for the longest of time. And for years, but like years. Yeah, and I, and I was just getting... I don't know how he got away with this. You didn't gain weight for a long there time. Were. I mean, I can't go. If it's been two weeks, you can tell. Like, yeah. that's the kind of body type I have. And I was getting a little round, yeah. and I went into the dressing room, and I put on a shirt, and then I just saw something that I had never saw in my body before. And I was like, I have to get to the gym. <laughs> what so did you see? I just saw a roll. Like, I, I, didn't, like, I didn't know that Like I didn't know that my back could develop a roll around the shoulder, Blake. I really didn't know. And come on. You like, have, like, the bra strap bro- roll. Come that's, on. I, don't that, play. <laughs> me on a public platform like that. Yo. But I just, like, it just clicked. I was like, oh, it's the project. I mean, yeah, it was, whatever it is, I was alarmed. But see, I've gotten scared of, like, the beer belly thing. You know, I yep. was almost, like, forming that. You know, my girlfriend, she says something, and, you know, it's, I don't know. It, you don't realize it until it's, like, haven't been to the gym. Or, yeah, until you, you see a role in the place. You think you're because you've been athletic your whole life, yep. and right. you're like, yeah, I'm always in shape until you... Oh, maybe yeah, I'm and, not. And then my, my Do you beautiful drink a wife. lot of beer? Not really. I yeah, mean, okay. I think what was going on, I was going to the gym, but I wasn't doing core. You know, uh, I would be, I'd be working on my arms. I'd be working on everything. And it's like, you know, the core workouts are the hardest. It's and they're essential to your it. life. They're essential to everything. I just told I made him do core yesterday. I'm like, are you going to do some, some sit-ups? I do <laughs> my, I core. do my core. Yes, you do do core. This but public you are going to walk out. That is happening right now. It's <laughs> unbelievable. Do you see how I wait to get my yeah, five minutes? I, I was, so I I was literally bringing up all the story to say I started working out at six o'clock in the morning. Now I'm telling I got the bra strap flap. I don't do core. I don't know how. How to just, work out. These were facts. What, like, what else? What I else do you say have to you say? I didn't say you didn't know how to work out. That I love you so much. <laughs> I mean, damn. I was like, but I, I'm now I'm at the six, yes. six thirty, six forty-five. I'm at the gym. Now, baby. You and it worked. Okay, you can you can lie. Thank you. I appreciate you it. I accept the lie. I'm working on it. No I'm, I'm trying to get. Wrong. I'm trying to get ready for for Costa Rica next year. That's that's where where, where my heart is and, and, and be ready. You'll but have anyways, the picture with the shirt off. You're yeah, I got I got I got to get I got to get right. But you've mentioned your girlfriend so many times, and we are enjoined in studio by her. She just doesn't have a headset right now. Yeah. But I wish you guys could see the faces that we are getting <laughs> in response to Nate. How did you meet your current girlfriend? Yeah, I met her at a speech. I was speaking at Iowa State. I did not ever think I would meet the love of my life in Iowa. Oh, like yeah. that. Love yeah. of my life, just claiming it. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is, this is it, you know. I'm, you know, so when I, I was talking to my friend earlier, you know, like my biggest you know, everybody's like, all right. And that's why I'm inspired by you guys, right? Like, Aww. no, seriously, right? Because it's, <laughs> you know, people think about the biggest dream. Like, yeah, I feel like I'm far behind or I want success. And it's like, no, man, the biggest dream is finding happiness, right? Real. And that's, that's love. And so it's like, I feel like if I die tomorrow, like, I'm happy. Like, I've accomplished. Like, this is, this is it. Like, I just always wanted happiness. Like, that was always my dream. So, you know, we met at Iowa State. Was she sold on you immediately? Because I can imagine, like, watching someone in their passion, I'd be fired up. I'd be like, all right, yeah, let's do it. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm down. You no, and I, we're going steady. <laughs> no, I mean, it didn't happen like that. She wasn't even interested, you know, at, at first. No, it wasn't. So your speech wasn't very good, is yeah. basically what I mean. It was an off day. I mean, so, I mean, you did just do a TED Talk, but apparently your Iowa State speech was not yeah. up to bar. We probably didn't. And I, I don't know. I don't know. I think I think the speech was good. I think the situation at the time was we weren't even 
accident, I guess. Like, and yeah. I keep saying accident as like, there's no such thing as coincidence, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, like, she was the one who had to take me home. You know, um, not take me home, but take me to the, back to the airport. And we had talked briefly before my speech. And, you know, we were conversing and had a lot of good conversation. But I didn't think nothing of it. Like, you know, I actually was talking to somebody, you know, at the time. It wasn't nothing serious, but, you know, I wasn't really looking for anybody. It wasn't on your radar. No, you know, but we kind of talked and it was cool. But I'm, I wasn't thinking nothing of it because... I'm only out in Iowa, you know, for the night, <laughs> you know. In Iowa. <laughs> in Iowa, you know. So, but she's the one who had to take me back to the airport. We kind of talked, talked more, connected. And when, you know, she dropped me off, you know, I hugged her and I was like, oh, that was kind of a special hug. Yeah. It kind of just, <laughs> I don't know, I felt magical in a sense, but, you know, it's, it's not one of those movies type things. Is It's just like, okay. And then I hugged again and, you know, I kissed her on the cheek and... Why'd you hug again? She asked for another hug. Yeah. That was the thing. She, okay. <laughs> like, that's that's the weird. Like, so I hugged her. She's over here going <laughs> She's saying that, that, that did that. not happen. Yeah. <laughs> I hugged her. Okay. Literally, this is the truth. Okay. Yeah, I true. hugged her and I was like, okay. And then she was like, hey, can I have another hug? I kissed her on the cheek and... You Why know, it was always tell the story like she wanted it. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, if, honestly, if, if I'm telling a story, I'm gonna put myself as right. as the victor. She like, wanted another. I'm not gonna be like, well, you know, like I was just <laughs> no. lame as hell. I get, I get but it, no, I let get. me tell you. When I got back to San Diego, okay. she called. I mean, we stayed in touch. You know, we connected. Why she call you? No, I texted her to see if she made it back safe and you know and stuff. But I had wrote a poem, you know, on the plane too. And you know, as my poetry, I hadn't been writing lately, you know. And I was like, dang, I'm inspired, you By know. And it wasn't a love poem; <laughs> it was a really a poem, you know. It's about life and going back and forth and not knowing what you want to do in your life and not knowing who you want to love in your life and this back and forth of life, death, and the pursuit of happiness and you know, soul searching. And once I got back, I told her, I was like, yeah, hey, you know, thanks for, you know, did you make it back safe? And I shared the poem with her and she was like, this is, this is the poem of my life. This is what I'm dealing with right yeah. now. So and she, she just could, transferred all that in a hug. She yeah. said, here's this hug in yeah. my life and then you received it and wrote life about force. it. Yeah. yeah. Can we talk about the power of emotional connection right there? Right. No words. Like, you're just going to feel me and I'm going to tell you my soul yeah. through this hug. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's beautiful. That's super, super Super real. Yeah. And y'all so, been rocking ever since. How long has it been? It's been over a year. It's been over a year. How, how would you say your career has changed since she's entered your life? It's changed a lot because um, I used to do a lot of stuff to, like, to impress people, right? You know, like, as a man, it's like, I'm, I'm trying to impress women. You know, sure. like, I want We're all guilty. <laughs> you know, so when you try to impress <laughs> plural women, right, yeah. then you're not really being yourself, right? You're just, you're trying to fit. To, so that everybody can like you. Mm-hmm. When it's just one, you know, and you focus on, on the one, you don't even have to, like, you can just be yourself. Like, literally, like, I can be myself. <laughs> I can be a self that I didn't even know I was. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, she allows me to do that, you know? So I I don't stress as much, you know? I'm not a people pleaser. I don't care if everybody likes me. If she's the only one who likes me, then shit, like... I'm straight, you yep. know, we, we cool. Not everybody has to know us. Everybody has to know me. I used to, even the idea of fame and, you know, struggle with the idea of like, hey, I want this. And it's like, at the end of the day, when I'm with her and we're chilling, it's like, we're in our own little world. And, you know, that's what makes me happy, you know? So, again, that's why I'm inspired by you guys because I see what you guys are able to do, you know, 
as a team, you know, out of love, and, and you know, we feel the same way. So, man, know, we, we appreciate that. Relationships I mean, are grounding. It, mm-hmm. it makes such a, a big difference, and, and I've said this hundreds of times, and I'm sure I've probably told you this: is you know, when you you know you found the right person, when. Mm-hmm. As you said, you can be yourself, but when they also support you in your endeavors, because mm-hmm. it's not always easy. And you know, you've been living you know, as a full-time entrepreneur does not mean you have a guaranteed paycheck coming every single day. And she tell, I mean, here's the thing: this is the game that I love to play because I'll tell her to like say a number, you know, of how much money to get, and because I want to make it happen, like I make it happen because of her. You know, so like that's the motivation. So like, Real. you know, for example, I was doing social media consulting for. Uh, a lady and you know I was charging her five hundred dollars and I was like, dang, babe, I really need fifteen hundred. She's like, well, charge her fifteen hundred, and I did exactly that, <laughs> and I was Good paid fifteen hundred, <laughs> right? And so it was that mentality of like, all right, babe, well, well what what could I do now? And so it's it's that motivation of like, if she says it, I'm gonna go get it, you know, and. That's what happens. Try that, baby. We're having to talk. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, don't be putting that pressure on me. Like I'm about I, to come with a list. I need that pressure, but now I'm nervous. Like, like, I've been waiting for this yeah. for six years, yeah. and now you're about to get the whole thing. Yeah. You got me. You can't be saying that. I'm You can't be saying that. I like that. I mean, hey, look, I'm going to try here, to make sorry. my list. And that's, you, that's your fault, Veronica. Yeah. She ain't got a mic to defend herself, but damn it, that's your fault for telling them that. Right. Although I like it and agree 100% with it, but now I got to live up to this. Because no, when you think about it, like you have, as an individual, you have your own limits, For right? Sure. But your partner can see further than you can because right. they want to see, you know, because you are hard on yourself. You know what I'm saying? Even if you think you're the greatest or no, which I tell myself, I still have my limits. And so I allow her to say, hey, babe, break me out of that. Throw a number that you think I'm worth. Or even if we don't, like, let's, let's prove it let's to, to show. It. Let's, why not? You know, so... It's, that's powerful. It's powerful. It's getting out of your own head and allowing somebody who sees the best in you to, to do that. Yeah, it, may, it literally it makes all the difference in the world. And Joy has, has said that same thing. It's like, I see so much. And it's like, here I am. Like, I don't see it. I'm just yeah. staring at roadblocks. But I mean, that is the, the, the beauty of, of having a You partner. have to see it a little bit. You see it a little, but th- there's that fear. And for me, like, I know that's one of my biggest challenges, being completely vulnerable, is... I have a fear of how great I can actually be. And I don't say that in an arrogant way. I don't, I don't say that to be conceited. But for the longest of time, when I've met people, they say, Justin, you're going to do great things. You're going to do great things. And I've always dreamed of having a big life. But then it's like, here I am at 28 years old, and I'm looking like, damn, what did y'all see? that I am just missing right now. Mm-hmm. And you, know, you sit here and you comb through it all and people still look at you and I'm just like, man, I, I don't know. Like, I know I had that same feeling when I met you. I was like, man, this dude is just, this dude is gonna make it. And like, here I was, and it was, it was you inspired me in a way because like, here I was doing a job that I didn't necessarily want to do. I enjoyed the work while I was there, but I knew that's not what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And you know, here you are coming in like, happy-go-lucky, do your job, you know, throwing on events, shows, speaking. I'm like, man, this cat's 22 years, 21 years old, doing all that. And so it, it gave me that, that added fire. So I thank you, mm-hmm. you know, for, for that motivation. But it, it's a struggle in, in trying to, to get that. Have you been able to break your own fears and, and help and push you forward? And, and what are those tricks? Because damn it, I need them. It's been hard. Like one of the biggest things right now is I'm blocking myself from, you know, we're... You have connections, but you don't know how to use them. Yes. Right? 
So, you know, for example, like Ty Dolla Sign, right? You know, I had to tell him the other day, like, yo, I do want to do music. Like, I would love to do more music, but I do have those fears, you know? Um, but it, it just goes back to this idea that it's not about you, mm-hmm. right? If you have a message to share, right? Share the message, right? People need to hear it. You need to inspire. And so the minute you make it about yourself, then of course the fears are coming in because ego and what do I look like or what if I mess up or, you know. But the more you say, it's not about me, it's about the message I'm trying to share, it's about the people who need to receive this message, there is no fear because you, put, you take it off yourself and you put it out as, hey, look, I'm, I'm a messenger. It's the light yeah, that I'm trying to share, the vessel. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, it's hard. You know, I'm saying that. But in practice and reminding, um, and again, to have that support, right? Because, again, I'm still learning that people don't like you. Like, I'm just, I'm literally, I'm, I'm literally now just coming to terms with oh, that at 26. No. Is that, like, again, I've always wanted to be a people pleaser. Mm. I wanted everybody to like me. You know, and it hit me that, like, you got friends who don't like you. You got people Ooh. that you see that, like, That's are close deep. to you, family, who do not like you, you know? And that doesn't, you know, you just got to keep going, you know? So this whole need to, to have approval or, or validation you know, it's a practice again and again that I'm learning that I just got to share the message. In my mind, as we all do, we have a vision of what we can see and what we want to do to make change. And if we stay focused on that course, you know, at the end, when the results happen, people come back around and, you know, say, oh, I knew it. I knew you were going to do <laughs> you it. Were you were know? the get-go. Uh-huh. I liked you always. Yeah. <laughs> I get that. So, you know, that's what I'm learning. I've seen every success story or success, you know, buy of red, everybody has dealt deal with it you know and that's how they've gotten past it to just to stay focused and not to worry or care what everybody else thinks because that's what we deal with we we want to be liked and we care what other people think yeah you're and constantly also, playing a, that game right and they don't think about you for that long either People's they don't they're worried about themselves <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's that's like real. yeah you might not like me but you don't like me for like two minutes and then but you're we're struggling in our mind thinking Forever. like all right yeah. what does that person think of me yeah it's like they're not worried about you not at all they're focused on what they got to do mm-hmm. you know but that's what we play in our head you know, so that's why I'm learning to meditate, to kind of get in the space to just quiet myself, focus on the present moment, you know. And again and again, I'm learning and, and getting better at it. What, is it. what are the next five years in the ideal world looking like for you? Man, I want to continue to build as a speaker. You know, I think I've been able to, you know, create, you know, a platform where I'm excited to, to share a message, you know, across this country and ultimately across the world, you know. So I'm hoping to take the Tell Your Story before they do message and kind of create it in, in multiple ways. You know, maybe it's a book. Maybe I can do a music project. However I can get the message out there, um, I see the next couple of years, like, creating some type of product. I'm not sure what that is yet. Um, but then as Movement B being really implemented to the point where, you know, I'm building a staff, I'm building a team, wanting to be able for it to be sustainable, you know, so that this is part of our everyday education system um, and that is something that just like the D.A.R.E. program or, you know, a program that you went into a school is like, yeah, I had the Movement B class or had the Movement B program. Um, so those are like, you know, some of the, the small goals there. I mean, but ultimately, like the bigger thing is to 
to really, again, not to be so cliche with it, but I'm just hoping that in five years I'm still doing this, what mm-hmm. I'm loving, what I'm happy. I've seen, you know, people, you know, live their start living their dream to have to go back to not living their dream. So I just continue to be blessed to say, look, in five years, I can still be living my dream, doing what I love. I'll be happy, you know, and, and keep building and making as, as much impact as possible. In five years, I think you'll be doing more. Hey. That's, yeah. that's my feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you got it. You definitely, you definitely yeah. I don't think you're going more. backwards. I don't see you going right. backwards Hopefully. at all. No, you've, got, you. you've got vision. No, thank you. Yeah. No, thank you. I got good people around me. I just love, you know. You never know what could happen. I, I guess I'm just I'm just staying blessed and, and positive, you know, because uh, I'm very thankful. So this is Fishbowl. Basically, it's just random questions. They range from just light and then kind of a little deep. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, you get my favorite one, and you just answer honestly. Okay. It. So we're gonna pick three to five questions depending on how long it takes you to answer each. Go for it. Okay. What worries you most about the future? We talk about this a lot, but it's hard for me because I love it so much. But it's probably technology, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, I love technology. I have an app. I love getting people, you know, to download the app on their phone, to connect. <laughs> yep. But, you know, technology, we watch Black Mirror and, you know, mm-hmm. seeing how, you know, technology changes. Off. Yeah, you know. So we'll, you know, feel probably a little more disconnected, you know, just because of, you know, where technology is going. What do you regret most so far in life? Man, I got to be a better uh, family person. You know, I don't regret a lot. I don't really regret a lot, but I'm, you know, I got to be better at um, staying in touch with my family. You know, I feel like, I feel like social media has like really messed us up, especially my family, because they think they know what's going on in my life, you know, and I don't reach out to them or I don't fully talk to them all the time. It just becomes awkward sometimes, you know, and so... I'm hoping to change that, you know. So I just not really regret, but I think that's something that I can change now, you know, as I'm talking. But I got to do a better job at communicating with, with my family. Is that just your parents or is that to go with your extended family as well? It's, it's my extended family mostly. It's sometimes starting to feel that way with my parents, you know. I don't know if that's part of me getting older or is that part of them thinking that Nate is so successful that we can't talk to him or that I can't talk to them or do you have siblings I don't call your parents yeah I mean I I talk (laughs) they did just go to Hawaii together right but you know but there's a lot of pressure on me because I'm a birthday present (laughs) you know you know I, I talk to my parents me and my parents are you know we're cool it's a lot of stuff is changing. It's starting to. It's just interesting, you know. Um, I just think I'm in a situation where my my immediate family, and parents, like I don't know if they understand my lifestyle as an entrepreneur, what I'm doing. I'm trying to connect, talk, mm-hmm. you know. And even when I try to talk to you know family members, I don't want to seem like I'm bragging or talking about what I'm doing. I don't want to, you know. It's just it becomes. I don't know. And yeah. then maybe it's something I got to get over. You're we got to talk to about it. or to find yeah. common ground. Yeah. But I don't think That's that common ground has really left. I think that yeah. could be. And I get that too from an entrepreneurial standpoint. When you're trying to build something, sometimes people don't understand the hustle that it takes. And like sometimes you can't make it to things or, you, you know, you should show up, but it's a little more difficult too because you're like, 
but I could work on this thing that I'm really passionate about. It has me fired up. So I, mm-hmm. I get I get that. Too. And it's not even just the hustle. It's also the importance of having people around you who are building yes, you mindset. up, who are pushing you, who understand what you're trying to accomplish. Because here you are, a dreamer. As you said, like, I'm going to be a kid my entire life. I don't want to grow up. And if you have people around you who are saying, hey, you need to be an adult, you need to be responsible, you need to do X, Y, and Z, and there's essentially stifling your creativity and your growth it's like i can't really i love you but like i can't for the sake of what i'm trying to accomplish for Mm -hmm. my life right i can only give you so much yeah not that that's your situation but yeah because we all deal with it yeah Yeah. Yeah. i know i know there's friends that i don't communicate with as much as i would like to and it's nothing negative but i'm just i'm on a different wavelength and I don't say that negatively at all. Yeah. It's just that I'm trying... Because their wavelength could be yeah, working for I'm, them. I'm trying to do something, and I need people who can push me along that wave. I'm, I'm not trying to just hit a, a hard a hard noise and everything comes crashing. I, I need people riding that same, same wave with me, and, and there's times where you can get off and enjoy and hang out, but I've noticed that the older you get and the more you're trying to streamline that focus okay you got to streamline that those relationships too because mm-hmm, but it, and it gets hard and that you think you're too good or you know don't forget about us and this is never about that you know it's just trying to find that connection but no definitely got you let's go with one more okay other than money what else have you gained from your current job it's the kids man y'all don't understand man or maybe you do but working with kids is like the best best job you can have. Like, I work with kids. I get to inspire them. They're always fun. They always have great positive energy. Or even if they don't, I get to inspire them to have great positive energy. So the best thing, like, if it, even if I didn't get paid, which I haven't, you know, a lot of the times. You know, I'm working with young people, you know, and getting them to see their dreams. Because the difference with young people in, in that environment is that they still believe. Like, they have, like, mm-hmm. this innocence of, like, all right, like, the world, I'm still naive, but I see the world in a different lens, and I'm yep. open and I'm honest about that. Um, so the best thing about my job and working with Movement B is being able to work with youth and get to inspire them and, and connect and, and support them on their dreams. I dig that. Now, mm-hmm. before I let you go, you're an unbelievably talented spoken word artist. I'm going to okay. put you on the spot okay. right now and say if you will spit a little something for okay. the people out there. You talk about telling your story before they do. Okay. I've seen your Instagram videos. I've seen your YouTube videos, and I can't let you leave without just dropping a gem for all the listeners out there. Okay. Any topic, anything? Any, any, what, 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 what resonates most with you right now, and what message do you think people listening need to hear? Okay, yeah, soul searching. <laughs> okay, I could do soul searching. A little, a little bit. From Is that what searching. you wrote on the plane? That's what I wrote on the plane, so that I'll connect. Well, it originally was called Veronica, you know. Um, but Really? Yeah. It is still called Veronica, but, you know, just I had to make it called soul searching so people could know what I'm talking about in the chorus. Talking about you didn't know anything was going <laughs> yeah. on. You named a poem after her. You knew. Immediately on yeah. the plane, like, yeah. I'm in love. <laughs> Man, let this pen write my feelings. Yeah. I love her. She loves me not. I love her. She loves I am me not. Done forever. This is it. <laughs> yeah, like, come on, dude. All right, go ahead. <clears throat> Life, death, and the pursuit of purpose. 
Up and down lately I was feeling worthless, but you helped me out. I went soul searching for the answer to my misery, but nothing's working. Who am I? Far from perfect. A soul misunderstood the pain and hurting yourself from lack of dream chasing body racing fear facing emotions. I rose up. I chose up. I'm finally in focus. Picture that. Visionary. Extraordinary gifts. No more doubts or worries of where my true potential is, but I cried myself to sleep. I'm afraid of being worthless. I'm afraid if we keep hoping for change, I'm afraid I'll still be hoping. I rose up, I chose up, I'm finally in focus. Picture that Instagram of what I'm really smoking, a marijuana for the marathon, steady pace. I keep going back and forth with my emotions, afraid of who I am and am I really worth it? Life, death, and the pursuit of purpose. Up and down lately, I was feeling worthless, but you helped me out. We went soul searching. You helped me out. We went so searching, I rose up, I chose up, I'm finally in focus. I am the greatest, and I know that. I am the greatest, and I own that. Somebody help me out from going back and forth. Just like that, just dropping bars. God, I got, the I talent. Just, I was like, I just really need to soak that in. Yeah, I need to get that my talents up. I got to get my talents up. That, that, is, that is Nate Howard. I'm, yeah. I'm telling you guys, if you have not had an opportunity to meet this young man, he's one of the, the most influential, most positive young men that you will meet. And I'm sure that you guys will see him littering the television, the radio, the podcast waves, everything. If you want to check out more of Nate, definitely head to his website, natehowardspeaks.com, and you will see all the dope stuff that he does. And just like us, as during this interview, you will be very impressed yeah. with the things he has. So, Nate, again, thank you so much for joining us. And you listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Married Millennials. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and share it with your friends. And if you have not yet written us a review, make sure you get that done as well. And as always, let's keep the conversation going online. You can head over to our website, lovejays.com, and you will see all of our social media icons right there at the top of the page. Thanks again, and we'll see you next Tuesday.